You know, tonight, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians is a prison epistle. It was written from a Roman prison, and Paul had been imprisoned by Nero. Now, Nero was a famous Roman emperor, famous for his evil, just about burned Rome to the ground. Uh, Nero actually did kill Paul, martyred him. But this book was one of the books written while he's in prison. Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Now, you don't hint really in this book that Paul's suffering. But he's in a Roman prison in the dungeon. He doesn't have much to eat. He's, uh, they don't give him much to eat. It's It's prison. It's not like it is today. You get a TV and you get a nice bed and you get temperature right. And uh, it was a rock on the top, a rock on the bottom, carved out, and uh, bars in the front. And you had uh, chains on you, and you laid on the ground, and uh, you didn't have any comforts at all. And so you'll notice that Paul had asked for his robe because he was cold, and the parchments, and uh, he had liked to read the scriptures. And, and other than that, he had nothing. And so you'll notice that uh, the church at Philippi, now this church was very dear to Paul. He had led them to Christ. He had started the church on his missionary journeys. And they had grown in the Lord. And they consistently sent him support. And other churches didn't. And so they heard that he was in prison, and they sent one of their own, Epaphroditus, chapter 3 and 4, to go take a gift to Paul to encourage him so that maybe he could get the guards to bring him a little more food or he could pay somebody from the outside to bring something in. Uh, they could, he could get a, 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 a warm robe to keep him warm. And so they sent him a love offering. But did you know that sin is not mentioned in this book, the word sin? It's a book, and the number one word in the book is joy or rejoicing. It's about how you and I, no matter the circumstance, have joy here and here. It's a great book for Christians going through it. It's a great book to encourage us to do things that are right because we love the Lord. We're going to look at that in a minute. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was a uh, Roman colony on foreign soil. They obeyed Roman's laws, had a Roman ruler, but it was a Greek culture. And they were sort of like, well, it was the first church in Europe, all of Europe, first church, Philippi. So it was very dear to Paul. Now, in chapter 1, five times the gospel is mentioned. So it's, it's about the gospel. It's about the good news. Now, the gospel simply means the good news, the good news that Jesus died for our sins and that he loves us and that he'll save us. You'll notice, if you would, I want you to see chapter 1. Look, if you would, in, in verse, number, verse number 1, he says, uh, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Now, we're going to pause right there for just a minute. Um, we're a Baptist church, and let me explain to you why. <clears throat> because from the Scriptures, 
Baptist churches believe in two offices, a pastor and a deacon. Um, many churches, Bible churches and other churches, have a third, and it's called bishop. So you got a bishop, and you got an, then you got an elder. So uh, there's a bishop over many churches, and so, sort of like took the, they took the thought that Paul was a bishop. But a bishop and an elder are the same thing. And you'll see that in Scripture. Notice he says uh, in this passage, look, uh, Philippi, uh, notice with the bishops and the elders, uh, bishops and the deacons. Now turn, if you would, in your Bible to Titus. I want you to see Titus chapter 1. <clears throat> and we're going to look at just a couple of passages about this very subject, the officers, uh, offices of the church. Now, you'll notice in Philippi, verse 1, he said the bishops and the deacons. Well, notice, if you would, Titus chapter 1, verse number 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, Paul speaking to Titus, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting, wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now, in this day, elder and bishop were the same thing. Same office, just different responsibilities. So notice, he said, ordain elders. So we know the elders are ordained. Well, look, if you would, in verse number 6. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. And then verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless. So he speaks about using the same word, bishop and elder. And so if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, if you would, chapter number 3. You'll notice, if you would, here, it's broken down, the two offices. So when somebody says, well, I'm an elder of the church, uh, that would mean they're ordained to preach the gospel. Um, they, they would be a pastor, or they would be an assistant pastor, or they would be an evangelist, but that's what an elder and bishop is. Now, notice, if you would, in verse number 1 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, and it goes down and gives the list there, you'll notice it says, verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So a bishop is speaking about uh, taking care of the church of God. Uh, notice, if you would, down in verse number Eight, likewise must the deacons be great. So it lists the deacons here and in Titus. And so let's go back over to Philippians chapter 1. You can clearly see that in the early church, they had bishops and elders. They were ordained. And then you had deacons. Now notice if you would, if you remember in Acts chapter 7, the first deacons, Philip was one of those. He later became an evangelist. Stephen was one of those. He later preached and was martyred because of his preaching. So the difference between a bishop and an elder, a bishop and uh, excuse me, is is simply uh, their responsibilities in a local church. A deacon is one that helps the pastors, one that. Uh, does things around the church. We have uh, deacons. They, uh, Brother Dave Durham is in charge of all the finances. Uh, he keeps up with the finances, and, and uh, then we send it off to a CPA to double-check everything. And so it's kind of a... Uh, uh, I have been in two churches where there were financial improprieties, 
And so I purposed, if the Lord ever allowed me to be a pastor, that we would do the things that were right to protect from that. So uh, when you give an offering, it goes in the uh, offering plate. It goes to the back. They count the offering. or they, they take the offering, put it in a bag, lock it up, and put it in the safe. Okay? And then after church, then we have people that are, we have two different counting teams. They go in in groups of men and women. They go in and count the money and total it up and put it in a, in a bag and lock it, <clears throat> put it in the safe. And uh, all of this I have nothing to do with. Uh, however, for the corporation that we're in, I'm the, uh, uh, the, the quote, quote, CEO, which that means, uh, uh, you know, the guy that uh, everything kind of ends up with him. So I go to the bank and I say, look, could I have, uh, could I uh, see what the balance is of this account? And they look at me and said, are you on the account? I said, well, no. They said, we ain't telling you then. So I, I said, wow, what's that deal? Well, what it is is that it's a checkpoint. Um, uh, you'll notice that I don't sign any checks. I don't uh, balance any bank books. I don't know what anybody gives. I'm just the one that sort of takes care of the budget, and then you vote on it. So really, the people are the, are the last line uh, of, of the say of what goes on in our church. We vote on everything. That's the way the scriptures were. That's the way the deacons were nominated. They were uh, voted on by the church. And so these two offices are the office of a bishop and an elder there, the preachers in a church. And there were usually multiple ones there. And then the, the deacons, and they're the ones that help uh, take care of things around the church. And so that is the uh, order and the office of, the two, uh, of the, uh, the two offices of the church. So notice, if you would, chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 1. He says, To all the saints in, the Christian, in Christ Jesus, which are out Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. So you've got saints, that's a church body, and you've got the bishops and the deacons. And then notice, if you would, and so we'll go on to a different subject, but uh, you'll notice here uh, that that's part of the definition of a Baptist church. A Bible church has elders and then, pass, el- and then has uh, bishops and then has deacons, have three offices. But that's not according to the way I see it. Uh, I don't think you can see it that way either. It, it just, it's real simple. There's two offices of the church. And, and there, there are, you'll notice if you would here in verse 2, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I I want you to receive grace and peace. I'm in prison. I don't have a lot of peace. But he said, I do have it in my heart. And what he's trying to say, I don't think he's intending to say it, but it's coming across through this book. Now, this book was written by Paul and given to Epaphroditus, and he takes it back to the church, and they read it. And so it had a great impact on their hearts. And the goal is of this, this is to share Paul's heart with the people, to, to get them to have joy in the midst of anything. You don't have to have everything going right to have the joy of the Lord. Joy comes from your relationship with the Lord and that fellowship that comes from that. And you can be in prison and still have that sweetness of fellowship. You can still be on your knees and say, Lord, and no one can stop you. You can be thrown into the fiery furnace or into prison, but that will, that's the only way to stop that sweetness between you and the Lord. And then it doesn't stop. It just transfers the location from earth to heaven. And so all of you in this room 
We've got to learn to have joy. Now, you'll notice also in this book, love is mentioned again. We're going to end up in this chapter where love is something that he wants his people, God does, to be known by. And so he said, look, whatever difficulties you're going through, don't let it affect your joy. Get on your knees and spend time with the Lord. If you're a stay-at-home mom, the kids are sick, get a little bit of time and say, Lord, I just need to talk to you. And we unburden our loneliness, our disappointments, our hurts to the Lord. And we say, Lord, would you encourage my heart? The Bible says that David in the Old Testament when his family was taken and all the men were taken, all the, uh, the uh, uh, wives of all the soldiers were taken from Ziklag. They went there and they, uh, Ziklag was burned. All their families were gone. All their uh, the possessions were gone. And they all knelt down and they all wept. The Bible says the soldiers wept. 600 of them wept. And David wept. And he heard the whispers from his men. We should have left somebody back here. I can't believe all of our families are gone. David didn't cover our families. Let's stone him. And he heard that. Now, that's a pretty dire circumstance. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you and I have to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord, no matter the circumstances that we're in. The joy of the Lord is my strength, David said it. And so you'll notice in here, he says, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father, verse 2, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Remember, he can't touch him. He's in prison. He said, I just remember the, the joy that you brought to my heart. I just remember you. Uh, you you'll notice, if you, if you would, uh, <clears throat> that in this passage, in verse 4, he says, always in every prayer of mine, for you all make your request with joy. He's in prison. He said, I'm praying for you with joy. No one can stop you from your knees getting alone with the Lord. And folks, tonight, that's what makes great Christians. It's that fellowship that you have with the Lord. That encourages your heart. That can never be taken away. In death, you can get a hold of the Lord. If uh, someone close to you is, has died, you can get a hold of the Lord and say, Lord, could you help my heart? I just want to talk to you this morning. And the idea is that no matter what we're going through, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And everybody in this room, I want to encourage you to grow in the Lord so that He is your strength. And when you have a burden, you get along with Him and you share your burden with Him. Come unto me, are you laboring or heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He is your God that loves you. And He made you for fellowship to Him. And there's nothing can stop that as long as we don't let it. Now, notice if you would in verse number 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, he says, I, I thank you, you bring joy to me with your fellowship from the first day until now, you've been a joy to me. And notice verse 6, being confident, this is a great verse for all of those that might 
uh, doubt your salvation sometimes. Well, I'm, I don't feel saved today. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he has begun the work, and now he's saved you. And he's the one keeping you saved. He's making that good work in your life. Being confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to keep you saved until he calls you home. Being confident. Paul says, I know that, he's, that the God of heaven is working in my life and that my salvation, he's going to take care of it until the end, until he calls me home. Now, notice in verse 7 he says, even as it meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Now, there's the gospel the second time. The first time is in verse 5. Notice if you what he says, and ye all are partakers of my grace. We all have the grace of God. And he says, you can be partakers of the grace that I have. Now, in verse 8, he says, for God is my record. Very few times that I want to say God is my witness because I don't want to make any little mistakes because God knows absolutely the truth. And so you'll notice this, if God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He said, I long for you to be what you ought to be in Christ. And folks today, listen, I want you to be everything you ought to be in Christ. Every young person, I want you to have a, a clear path of what the Lord wants you to do. Everybody in this room, uh, you know, the Bible says the Word of God is a light into my path. I want you to know what God wants you to do and just take it a step at a time and be in the center of God's will. I want everybody in this room to be in the place where God wants you to be. That's the place of the greatest joy. And Paul is saying, my heart, I long after you to be what the Lord wants you to be. And notice, if you would, in verse 9, then he really gets into it. And this is, if you, if you miss things, don't miss 9, 10, and 11. We're not going to finish them tonight. But notice verse 9. And this I pray. Now, you notice, I pray, I pray for you in verse number 3, remembrance of you. Verse 4, prayer of mine for you. You'll notice his uh, verse number uh, 9. And this I pray, and watch this, that your love may abound yet more and more. He said, I want your love to be like that bucket that has a water hose in it. It's just running over. I want your love to be like that. And that's the theme for this year, loving him more. I want everybody in this room to fall in love with Jesus Christ so that uh, you want to talk to him. Folks, the Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a list of privileges that we can do for the Lord, and we can make the list. Um, when I got married to Janet, there's not a list of things that she said, I need you to do this, this, and this to show me you love me. Love is something you do from your heart for someone. And I want you to love the Lord with all your heart. So that means you're going to have to have some times where you get along with the Lord regularly and spend time with Him and pour your heart out to Him. You have a prayer list. And Lord, I want you to know, would you bless this person? Lord, would you help me to think right? Lord, would you help me to talk right? Lord, would you help me to, to be forgiving? Lord, help me to be joyful. Lord, would you help me this year to be a joyful Christian? 
I want you to rely upon the Lord for your strength. But I want you to learn to love him. Now, I'll tell you one of the ways you can love him. Just sit back and think of the things he's done for you. And realize how much he loves you. And as you begin to think of his love toward you, it sort of like motivates your heart to say, but I want to love you more. I pray regularly. Lord, would you help me to love you more? Each night when Janet and I pray together, one of our prayers is, Lord, help us to love you more than each other, more than Temple Baptist Church, more than anything in this life. Lord, help us to fall in love with you. And what that does is it makes our motives for him. It makes our passion for him. Love is the greatest motivating factor in the whole world. God made it so, but he made it so that you could put your love on hunting. You can put your love on your job. You can put your love on, uh, on uh, football or basketball. You can put your love on, what, on making money, but he, he made you to be a loving person that you could say, and this is one of the things you're going to see here in just a minute, that you can put your love on anything you want to put it on. He gives you that right. It's called Christian liberty. But he wants you to take your love, your greatest love, and put it upon him. And that's what we want for every young person. I want that for every teenager. That's what the midwinter retreat is about. Put your love upon the Lord because he will guide you. He will bless you. He will give you the joy of heart. And so you'll notice he says, verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. You're growing in love. That's a theme, loving him more. Now notice this, in two ways. Now watch, in knowledge. I I, want to know you more. Lord, I want to know what you love. You know, Jan and I have been married almost two years now, and I'm still learning things that she loves and things that she doesn't like. Well, uh, she likes practical things. Well, when it comes time to Christmas and birthdays, I don't like practical things. I like to get something that surprises and something that you wouldn't think about. And, you know, I made the mistake. I'm not going to ask it again. What would you like for Christmas? Oh, I can't believe it. A vacuum cleaner. That's what she asked for. So I got her a vacuum cleaner. But that doesn't bring great joy. And I'm still in the box. We're going to move it over this week. But I look at it and I say, and she says, oh, thank you so much for the vacuum cleaner. I'm getting a gift for her to be happy, not me. But I have to learn that. So, Lord, I want to learn you so I can find out what you want. I know you want me to forgive people. I want to do that. I know you want me to pray for people. I want to do that. I know you want me to intercede for people that can't for themselves. Either they're lost or they're wavered. Lord, I'll do that for you. You see, love causes you to do what somebody else wants, not yourself. You put yourself in second place. And he says, I'm praying that your love will grow more and more. So, Maybe next year I'll get her a vacuum cleaner for each arm. I don't know. Just she can vacuum every way, outside, inside, all she wants to do. Uh, I know one thing. She's terrified of mice. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I have to check every place to make sure there's no mice. Uh, 
when we first got married, she said, have you, have you got any mice in, in, the, in the house, a basement? I said, no, there's no mice. And she looks around. She says, okay, I'm looking. She said, do you mind if we put some mice traps out? There's no mice. How many of you have mouse traps in your house and there's no mice? You haven't had any, but you got mouse traps out in case you do get them. Would you raise your hand? Let me see. Four people, five people, five people. I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you put mouse traps outside your door to catch them before they got in? <laughs> oh, Lord, there's two women like you. Oh, my goodness. Lord, have mercy. Uh, you don't do that. I was catching birds and all kinds of things, snakes and fish and all kinds of things in that mousetrap. And it's like, honey, you don't put a mousetrap outside. Uh, it, it took a while for she let me take the mousetrap out. And, and so I'm learning her. I, 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 but because I love her, I want to know everything about her. And I want you to learn to love him. So your knowledge grows in him. That's what he says. Now read it again. And this I pray, verse 9, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge, in the knowledge of him, your great Savior. So that's why I I don't want to curse because I know that disappoints him, so I don't want to do that. I, I, I I don't want to get bitter because I know he doesn't like that. So I want to be forgiving. So the more you know about him, the better you can please him. But love is what causes you to say, I want to know more about him. Notice the next one. And in all judgment. Now, this judgment is used one time. This word is only used one time in the whole Bible, right here. It's not the word crino for standing before a judge. It's not that. It's that you, because of your love for Christ and others, will learn how to make better decisions, to perceive things before they happen. In other words, you would be very aware of things, and you say, I I better not do that because I don't think he would approve. You don't have to make a mistake you can see it before you make the mistake. That's this judgment. It's, it's a perception. It's something I, how many of you have ever been in an environment and said, I don't, this doesn't feel like a good place for me to be. Ever been, how many have been like that? Okay. That, you, you, there's no judgment that says, thou shalt not go here. But because you're a Christian, you didn't feel right. There's a perception in your heart. And he says, I want you because of your love to make better decisions so that you don't get any dirt on you at all. I want you to love him more in knowledge and judgment to make good decisions. Um, Notice, if you would, he says in verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent. There's the decisions. To approve things are not just good, not better, not even best, but excellent. You see, Jesus Christ, when he was was in the Old Testament, he was going to have someone offer him a lamb, tell me what the lamb was supposed to be like. 
If it's going to be offered to the Lord, what was the lamb supposed to be like? Without blemish. That's why you and I are supposed to be without blemish. We're to be like that lamb because God doesn't want it to be a crippled lamb. Now, understand this. He will take you because your heart doesn't have to be crippled. He's not interested in your body necessarily. He's interested in your heart and your soul. And for you to make decisions that are best for your body and for your soul and for your testimony. So notice what he says. Read it again. That you may approve things that are excellent. Now this word approve is to test them and, and see. So as you see something and you say, I wonder if I should do that. You test it according to Scripture. So you know the Scriptures well enough to say, I don't think I should do that. Because that verse says such and such. I remember that verse. And so I'm going to make a decision not to do that because uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to match with Scripture. So you'll notice he says that you may approve things that are excellent. So he says, I want you to look at things and not just do things that are good. Now, it is good to go to work and make money. That's good. But excellent things are spiritual things. It, it is good to pay your tithe. But excellent things would be your offerings. What the Philippians did for Paul. It's like, oh, you, you, you were so, you made excellent decision. I'm in great harm's way. But Paul said, I'm never going to ask. Look over in chapter 4, if you would. In verse number 11. He says, verse number 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. You didn't have the opportunity to send me uh, help, but he said, you did with Epaphroditus. And no, notice, if you would, he says, Epaphras, he said in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of one. He says, I'm not speaking because I needed it. For I have learned in whatever state I am there to be content. He said, I'm not trying to praise you because, man, you gave me money just at the nick of time. I want you to know I've learned to be content without money. I've learned to be content without warmth. I've learned to be content without friends. I've learned to be content without food because I have him. And that's really what I'd like for us to get to this year. To love him more and more. That we could make the effort to know him more. That we could make decisions that aren't just spelled out in Scripture. They don't seem to be right. Or they do seem to be good. I want to do that because I believe the Lord wants me to do that. And that you can approve things that are excellent. I, I know that all of us in this room have to make decisions. And you'll notice in verse 10, he says, that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be 
sincere. I'm going to pause right there and probably end with that word. Sincere is this word. There's nothing covered up in your life. Everything is before the Lord, and you're open with him. And the example of this word sincere is um, in this day, they would take a picture of a happy person put on their face as an actor, and if he changed faces, but his heart stayed the same, he was called a hypocrite. We use that word today. This word is a word for a piece of furniture. How many of you have watched uh, Fixer Up or these, these, these shows that they buy houses and flip them and fix them up? How many of you watch those kind of things? I'm, I'm amazed at how they can take something 100 years old and make it look brand new. But I don't tell you what they do. I watch. Oh, as they go in, they say, oh, we'll take up this carpet and get these beautiful wood floors under it. Them floors ain't beautiful. But what they do is they go in, and I don't know if you saw it. I saw it in one the other day. They, they take a putty, and they fill in all the cracks in the nail holes, and they, they smear that putty all over, and then they sand it down. And the putty covers up all the blemishes, but it stains just like the wood. This word <clears throat> is the word for furniture stained like the wood. But in their day, they didn't use putty. They used wax. So they'd put the wax in the blemishes of the wood and cover it over. So sincere was this. They would take the piece of furniture and they would set it out in the sun. And the sun would hit that furniture and in about 30 minutes, the wax would begin to what? Melt. And you could see the holes. You could see the cracks. And they'd look at it and say, that table's not sincere. I remember we went on a missions trip to Brazil and we're building cabinets, and we built door fronts. And Brazil and Bolivia is a very humid country. I mean, it is humid. The Amazon, if the river is up, which it's always been up that I've ever seen it, it is humid. I mean, you walk outside and just sweat. So we're going to go at 200 pounds, come back at 160 when we come back. Anybody want to go? we got a great weight loss program, okay? So you, you go in, this, this, uh, you begin to lose weight. Well, I, I, I noticed that we took, I had put some stain on uh, a piece of wood, and I laid it down outside. I wanted it to dry quickly because it was the last day we were fixed to leave, and I was going to varnish it and put it on the front of the cabinet. And uh, I came back in about 15 minutes. Does anybody know what happened to that piece of wood? It was no longer flat. It was bowed. It sucked all the wood out on one side. So I said, oh, my goodness. All of these drawer fronts, bloop, 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 all of these. I said, we've worked all week trying to get this finished up. I can't leave it like that. And so I said, well, you know, uh, I said, let, let me flip them over and go talk to somebody. And I turn them upside down. And you go back, talk to my son. I come back outside. You want to know what was happening then? They were flat. 
It sucked the water out that side. I said, that's amazing. Now, when they put the wood floor in our gym, you know what they're going to do? They're going to bring the wood in in piles and have the temperature in the gym at 70 degrees. They're going to leave it there for about a week. You don't know why? So the, the moisture is the same as the building. And then when they put the wood together, it doesn't crack and split. It's sincere. So tonight, read this verse again. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. With no putty. With no filler. You know what I would say? Real. And if you fall in love with the Lord, and you say, Lord, I want to love you more than anything, and your love grows and grows, and you start knowing more about him, Lord, I want to know about you. That's the reason you read your Bible. I want to know more about you. It's not about what everybody else has done. It's, it's between you and him. I want every individual in this room to grow in knowledge of the Lord. And I want you to grow in your love for Christ so that it, you long for it. And, and you say, well, Pastor, I don't really have that. Well, get down and ask the Lord and say, Lord, help me to love you more. I want to know more about you. And, and you'll notice that you can make better decisions when you know more about the Lord. I'm making better decisions because I know what Janet likes and doesn't like. I, I know next year I'll get her a, uh, a hammer or I'll get her a screwdriver or I'll get her something that you use. It's very useful. Uh, I, I may get her some pads for her, uh, for her uh, Swiffer. I'll figure out something that's really beneficial. I'll figure it out. I'll get it. And, uh, you know, and then, and then I'll learn. Uh, but, but maybe if she's learning about me, you know, she won't get me a vacuum cleaner. I mean, I'd love to have a, a horse or something important, something good. You know, uh, I, I, uh, I just, just certain things that I'd like to have, you know. And, and we learn to, we're learning each other. How many of you are still learning your mate? You're trying to figure out certain things, but you've pretty well got a good handle on it. I want you to have a good handle on the Lord so that you can make good decision, decisions to please Him, that you can approve things that are excellent. And while you're doing that, your own life is sincere before him. No putty. No wax. You're real. Tonight, are you real? You can start tonight. Doesn't matter where you are. Real starts tonight. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer. Tonight, we'll do a very simple invitation. I'll let you be seated tonight, do it completely different. I'm going to ask the pianist to play and ask her to play just as I am. And that's where the Lord wants us. Maybe you need to come. I just encourage you when nobody's looking, just kneel down at your seat or come down to this altar. Just talk to him. Lord, I want to be sincere. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to love you more. Let this be your greatest year of growth and joy. Lord Jesus, 
Speak to our hearts tonight. Help us to love you more. Help us to be sincere. Help us to go closer together and closer to you. Lord, help this be the great year, the greatest year of growth, Temple Baptist Church, for both our church and our members. In your name we pray. Amen.